African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the rights to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on uh, Channel Africa. Thank you for joining us on that frequency, 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter to Southern Africa. Uh, that's uh, to neighboring Africa in South Africa and into Sub-Saharan Africa. That's our service into the African continent. Uh, don't forget that we're also on DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio book, KWWW. ChannelAfrica.co.za is our website. We want to get your thoughts on today's uh, story. What makes Africa an attractive uh, travel and tourism uh, destination? Uh, we want to hear your thoughts there. That's the question that we're asking. At African Dialogue, uh, give us your thoughts. According to the annual MasterCard Global Destination Cities Index, Johannesburg was the most popular destination city on the African continent in 2016, with the city having welcome. 4.57 million international uh, overnight visitors in 2016, which is an impressive uh, 24% increase in the previous years uh, of uh, 3.69 million uh, visitors. Now, Johannesburg was followed by Cape Town, which rose from third place in 2015 to become the second most popular African destination in uh, 2016 with 1.5 million visitors. Now, looking beyond the the World Travel and Tourism Council, uh, WTTC, said in its Travel and Tourism Economic Impact uh, uh, 2017 report that the 2016 year showed continuous resilience with a direct growth of 3.1 internationally when it comes to the travel and tourism industry, with uh, 6 million net additional jobs created internationally in uh, the industry. Well, to help us on this, uh, uh, from London itself, we joined by Rochelle Turner, who is the research director at the World Travel and Tourism Council. We also have on the line uh, Laura Vakale, who is a communications manager from Joburg Tourism. I'm sure Joburg Tourism is very happy about those new statistics. And we also have Simba Mandinyenya, who is the head of research and information management at Ritosa. Uh, let me start with you, uh, Laura, just uh, looking at these latest figures. I just want to announced that we did invite MasterCard, but uh, according to other uh, commitments they had, they couldn't make it to our program. But these stats do actually put Johannesburg at the center of tourism internationally. What is actually um, making uh, Joburg such a vibrant uh, tourism and travel space? Well, I think, you know, um, Joburg as a destination, a lot of see it, a, a lot of people see it primarily as a, a business destination, which it is. You know, it is the economic hub, sure. um, if not of the African continent, then definitely of the of the Southern African continent, subcontinent. Sure. And, um, you know, we also have a lot of transport links into the city. However, having said that, um, I think people have started to realize that there is a lot more to Joburg than business. Mm-hmm. And extending their stays to enjoy what else there is on offer in terms of culture, heritage, music, fashion, destination and lifestyle events. Um, and 
uh, you know, that is, is very pleasing um, yeah. because a lot of people actually find cities very interesting. You know, they um, from an urban tourism perspective, people like to sort of get down and experience what it is that a city, that makes a city, what the city's story is, why it's there in the sure, first place, sure. some of the great stories that have happened in the city. And, you know, um, Joburg probably has some of the most tourist attractions it's a sort of a concentration of tourism attractions across a number of sectors. Sure, sure. You know, there's the, the, the there's struggle history, which is very popular, that people want to come and understand what's unfolded in Joburg. But then there's also um, some of the uh, international world heritage sites that are all yeah. located in and around Johannesburg, like yeah. Marupeng and the Cradle of Humankind and so on. So we've got a very, very rich offering in terms of interests. And, um, and as I said, the... The, the fact that the city's story never stops evolving. It started out as a mining town. Mm. Um, it is now one of the biggest commercial um, centers, well, one of the major 50 cities in the world. Um, sure. And it just keeps on evolving. And it's, it's one of the most culturally diverse places as mm. well in the world. So people who enjoy that kind of city experience flock to Joburg and enjoy it and and even if they're not coming for those reasons, if they're coming for business, they're extending their stays mm. so that they can take in some of that rich cultural diversity, history, heritage, mm. fashion, the mm, art mm. scene, sure. everything, you know. Sure. Um, and the architecture as well. Architecture, even mm. our house music scene. Mm. Yeah. There's so much on offer in Joburg. And um, I think sometimes it takes some of our expats and um, international visitors to just point out to Joburg how interesting <laughs> how interesting this city actually is. Sure, and, and, and we'll pick those issues out because that's what we were talking about uh, when we actually saw this particular index, the fact are we maximizing uh, Joburg becoming this uh, really melting pot of culture and also making sure that that's actually out there. But let me go to our other guests. I want to go to London and uh, we've got Rochelle Turner there from the World Travel and Tourism Council. Rochelle, from a bigger landscape, I know that uh, your report is completely different. So I have to highlight that uh, just to make it clear for our listeners. It's different to the MasterCard Global Destination Cities index in that that it looks at a broader uh, view of what's happening in terms of economic activities in countries around the world. And what's very great about this report, it does show the economic activities uh, that are taking place and What's also interesting is the the economic uh, uh, contributions of travel and tourism make on the continent. And and you speak a lot about that on on various continents, and you have a focus on Africa as well, Rochelle. Yes, uh, thank you, Benjamin, Um, and and good morning to everybody. We at WTTC for over 25 years have been looking at the economic contribution that travel and tourism makes to countries around the world for the belief that we have to measure it in order for governments to understand it and then for governments to put the right policies in place for travel and tourism to grow and and thrive and succeed in the future and Mm. create the jobs that it can. So we look at 185 countries and many of those countries are indeed within Africa and, and we are able to calculate the contribution to GDP and in, in Africa in 2016 a full 7.8% of GDP comes from travel and tourism. Mm. 
And that is forecast to rise by 3% this year, and then rise every year by almost 5% for the next 10 years. So it's growing and growing as a means of economic development, as a means of job creation. Mm. Already within Africa, we have 20.7 million jobs are attributable to travel and tourism. So that's people who are working in travel and tourism or those jobs that are supplying goods and services to the travel and tourism sector. And that's, you know, it's an enormous amount of job creation that our sector has been developing. And, um, it, you know, it's thriving. Africa is growing. We've just seen um, commitment from Hilton Hotels to, to build 100 properties within Africa over the next few years. Hyatt Hotels has just committed to an additional six hotels by 2020. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's a huge amount of development within the continent that people are seeing. Um, and if I can just pull out, um, we have a, an awards program which we call our Tourism for Tomorrow Awards. So go ahead, Botswana. Yeah, the Botswana was the destination winner last year in terms of its, its um, as a destination being sustainable, the most sustainable destination from all of the applicants that we received, it went to Botswana last year. So a real accolade on terms of developing the right kind of product and the right kind of levels of sustainability, again, within Africa, really leading the way. So it's a fantastic example, not only of growth and, and what tourism can do, but how it can be also very well managed. Well, that's fantastic to hear that. Um, I'm in the SADC region, so I'm very excited to hear that Botswana uh, did very well in, in that regard. Uh, but let me come also to you, Simba, in, in hearing what uh, uh, Rochelle and both Laura are highlighting. And just uh, really starting the conversation off was great where Laura was highlighting the fact that there is kind of a diversity of things to do in, in, in a city like Johannesburg, and that's why it's becoming this premium attractive place to actually go to on the African continent. Uh, but also there's so much potential as was highlighted by uh, Rochelle in terms of 20.7 million jobs just created last year just on the African continent due to the travel and tourism industry. Definitely there's a vibrancy in this industry, Simba. Definitely. Uh, very interesting because uh, when you look at the figures, uh, what you see is that uh, uh, in terms of visitor arrivals into the region, uh, Jobek uh, 2016 received 4.5 million, about that, which is about 20% of the total visitors into the SADAC region and uh, about 45% of visitors into South Africa. And when you look at uh, tourism uh, revenue, tourism receipts, uh, Jobek received uh, 2.6 billion uh, last year, which is about 17% of uh, receipts into the SADAC region, mm-hmm. 33% of receipts into South Africa. I mean, uh, when you listen to what Laura was saying, it's, it's very, very interesting. Uh, for us at the regional level, uh, what we know is that Jobek is the gateway uh, into the SADAC region. Uh, and uh, it is uh, therefore very, very strategic uh, for all the member states in the SADAC region. And uh, when Jobek is ticking, uh, it means uh, the rest of the region uh, is also doing well. Uh, so these are very, very interesting uh, figures. And uh, uh, what we see when we look at uh, the, 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 the growth uh, prospects, they are looking at uh, 
6.8% uh, growth uh, during the course of this year, uh, which is also very interesting. Well, I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll come back to that. And something that was highlighted by uh, Rochelle is something I'd love us to look into, the fact that how do we actually develop uh, uh, products when it comes to uh, uh, sub-Saharan Africa, product development and creation in the uh, travel and tourism industry. But also, how do we further consolidate the growth that we're seeing and fast-track further growth in the travel and growth industry? You're listening to us here on Channel Africa. This is African Dialogue. Remember, we want to hear your thoughts. African Dialogue is our Twitter handle, at African Dialogue. We're asking the question, uh, how does uh, uh, Africa find itself becoming an attractive and and travel and tourism uh, destination? What makes Africa an attractive travel and tourism destination? Uh, Let's take a quick break. We'll be back after this. In observation of the 100 years since the birth of Oliver Reginald Tambo, a nine-meter-high bronze statue of the South African struggle icon will be erected at Johannesburg's O.R. Tambo International Airport on the 19th of October. Channel Africa will be there. So join us between 600 hours and 900 hours Central African time on Thursday the 19th of October as we bring you live coverage of this special event. Channel Africa bringing you the African perspective. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa and giving you that African perspective. Well, before we move on, we spoke to an entrepreneur who is in travel and tourism in Johannesburg. Curiosity Backpackers is an accommodation and adventure establishment based in the cosmopolitan and vibrant Maboneng precinct, uh, which is a precinct in uh, Johannesburg. Fairly new. It's been here only for about uh, six or so years. I'm not quite sure. Am I, am I right about that, Laura? How long has the Buning uh, district been here? Sure, my Buning goes back, I'm just thinking now, probably about eight years. Eight years now. It's when it started, but it has grown. I yeah. mean, it's developed and grown. It's, it's such an exciting destination now. It was just starting out about, I think, about eight years, years ago. ago. Yeah, so we spoke to one of the entrepreneurs at Backpackers, which is uh, uh, really about... Uh, part of the uh, this particular Maboning precinct. Now, according to MasterCard, as I mentioned, uh, uh, the tourism has actually been uh, a big, big, big attraction for Johannesburg. Although businesses that are in Joburg face uh, a lot of uh, challenges such as crime, we have the issue of the Uber and Meter taxi fights recently, and also we have uh, really another issue about uh, support of these uh, small enterprises that are, are picking up in the tourism industry. Well, our producer, Dumelo Zulu, spoke to Becky Dube, who is the founder of Curiosity Backpackers in Johannesburg. We are called Curiosity. We are a design and experience-led accommodation model. We've got one site in Johannesburg in the vibrant Maboning community. So it's really a space for millennials who are wanting to connect with Johannesburg at grassroots level. So we offer accommodation, we offer everyday curated tours into the inner city, cycle rides into Soweto, 
and really trying to break the negative stigma that many have towards uh, Johannesburg. We've also expanded now into the next city, which is Durban, and then looking at really taking the model across South Africa and the African continent itself. How did the idea start, and where did you start? So I grew up in the inner city, in a very fascinating neighborhood called Troivo, and this was a neighborhood, you know, with artists, socialists, activists, and that's what really shaped my consciousness for downtown Joburg. So I grew up skateboarding, photographing the city, and really from a very young age, you know, I was very much committed in exploring spaces that people are reluctant to visit in the inner city. So I opened, um, I started off doing walking tours in the city, and then I went on to open Curiosity in the year 2013. And, and yeah, it's just basically grown from there, you know. Who are you targeting? Are you looking at people within South Africa, or are you looking at uh, overseas, or perhaps, you know, people within cities? Our main, main, main focus. As I said, you know, it's the millennial groups, international travelers. About 90% of our travelers are international travelers. However, what we try and do is encourage domestic and local travelers to also explore their own city. Because what you have in Joburg is you've got a large population of people that don't even know the history, heritage of the, the space that we inhabit itself. So we try and encourage, you know, basically locals to explore their own city. Because once you're able to really influence a local to explore their own city, they become great ambassadors to even influence an international traveler into South Africa. Now, this interview comes at the backdrop of what MasterCard Index has suggested, which is, it says, Johannesburg is the most visited place in the African continent. Do you feel like you've benefited from that as well? Remember, Johannesburg is a gateway really into South Africa and technically to maybe the rest of the continent itself. Obviously, I think the index shows also a huge number of business travelers. Most of those people obviously flock to areas. It's not your leisure tourists. We aim at leisure tourists. A business traveler will go to places like your Santons and other suburbs um, in the northern side of Johannesburg. We're in the central business district and we will not flock up at leisure. We have seen an increase. You know, we have seen at least a 10% increase from the last year um, up until now of the number of travelers that have engaged with our space that have taken part in our activity. And what one would hope is for it to grow, but also what one would hope is for the typical, you know, business traveler to start also engaging with areas like Marble Lane. You know, we've got phenomenal hotels there. We've just launched a huge hotel called Hallmark House, which is designed by Africa's most celebrated architect, David Ajay, who's got the boutique hotel for decades. So would like to encourage you know, more of the business travelers to also engaging with the inner city environment. Having said that, with any business establishment, there will be those challenges, challenges of crime. What are some of the challenges sure. that you are constantly faced with? Crime is obviously at uh, the top of the realm. I think we've, we've all been aware of what happened in the last three weeks, four weeks, you know, with tourists passed the lords from the airport to the hotels and so forth. So crime will always be, I think, at the top. Other than that said, you know, I think like any other city in the world, each city has its challenges and its problems. And I think mobility also becomes quite something that we need to focus more on, you know, creating sustainable transport services that allow for that. We've seen Uber becoming quite a disruptive model that allows accessibility, but it would be nice to see your how trains, your rear buyers also go into areas that tourists want to be in. Tourists want to be in inner city spaces. Tourists want to be in your Alexander townships. Tourists want, you know, so it would be nice if they start, start tapping into the north where the leisure traveler wants to be in.
Well, that is the voice of Beggy Dube, who's the founder of Curiosity Backpackers in Johannesburg, speaking to one of our producers, uh, Dumelo Zulu. A lot of things that were highlighted in that particular issue uh, or that conversation, Laura. Uh, but it's great to see young entrepreneurs actually taking over the space. But there's those challenges that were highlighted in that particular conversation, such as crime. You can highlight others on the African continent, such as uh, uh, we have civil strife and political instabilities in some uh, countries. Uh, Laura, how do you, as someone who works for Joburg Tourism, work against those uh, uh, negative perceptions and brand confidence building in uh, uh, the the city? Is that challenging for you? It is challenging, especially when there's... um you know, recent incidents which have made headline news and things like that. It's very challenging. But, you know, on the positive side of things, our mayor and his administration are very committed and and very open about the fact that there are these problems, you know, that there's crime and grime and serious issues that need to be attended to. Mm-hmm. Because the, the whole point of the exercise is that if your city is a great um, city for its residents, if it's clean and safe for its residents, it's a kind of place that, people will flock to, sure. you know. So if it's yeah. a, a, one of those what you call livable cities and ranks highly as a livable city, people flock to it automatically because mm. it's it's pleasant to be there, it's clean and it's safe. So those are ongoing issues that we have to battle and they do affect Joburg, especially Johannesburg's reputation. Mm. Often we feel unfairly because um, Joburg kind of takes the rap, I think, for, for anything that goes mm-hmm. wrong. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's something that the mayor is aware of. He is... A, he is um, you know, uses his his um, abilities and not his abilities, his his um, opportunities within the administration to address these issues mm. by appointing more JMPD officers. Mm. We um, also are participating in programs, um, you know, which are um, sort of initiated by province as well as by the city to appoint what they call tourism safety ambassadors. Mm. Mm. There's also the mayor has his Riyasabiting. Uh, um, clean-up campaign to mm. encourage a culture of not littering or picking up or mm. volunteer, uh, volunteerism and, mm. you know, keeping our neighborhoods pleasant and attractive, not only for our visitors but mm. for ourselves as well. Sure. So, yeah, it, it is one of those ongoing challenges. Um, but, you know, nothing is, is impossible and mm. we need to, you know, be mindful of those issues and work our way around them and, and see what progress we can track on, mm-hmm. on those. You Let know? me move to, to Rochelle in terms of uh, the challenges that uh, Africa has in terms of attracting uh, foreign visitors uh, into the African continent. From your work, uh, Rochelle, have you seen any negatives in terms of uh, the continent, in terms of reputation? Sometimes that can be a big problem in terms of getting more visitors into the continent. Well, uh, I would just say that um, Africa has made some extraordinary progress over the last few years in, in terms of cooperation and regional cooperation getting people to and from the country in terms of visa facilitation is particularly troublesome around the world. And and that in itself can cause reputational damages if a destination is pegged as being a difficult one to get into. Um, So we've seen some incredible um, facilitation. We've seen moves within East Africa for a single visa, for example, with Kenya, Rwanda, Uganda. 
Um, we've seen Ghana making enormous progress in 2016 with visa facilitation and, and even removing visas for all members of the African Union for visitors from those countries to Ghana. So amazing work there. There is difficulty in connectivity. We know that there are problems and very high costs of air travel to get around the sure. continent. And, and that, um, as, your, um, as, as your speaker said before, you know, people want to get out and, and be able to see the great um, offerings that the continent has. But long distances mean that it is, you know, it, it is not for everybody to sit on a bus. And so greater connectivity is something that is absolutely necessary for the, the continent to invest in and develop over the, the years ahead. I think also, I mean, one of the things that I would just like to point out, and we've mentioned it a little bit, but about the enormous potential of business travel. So I was just looking at some data earlier, and looking at the five years from 2016, 10 out of the top 20 countries in terms of growth of business travel have been in Africa. So this is a real opportunity, and as Laura was talking about, people come to Johannesburg on business and then stay a few days. And, and that opportunity is growing and growing with the new developments that are happening within the country. And we've seen enormous, you know, Rwanda is just streets ahead in terms of it, the work it's doing to develop some of the business travel growth for that country, as are many other destinations within Africa. And, and that is really where a lot of the focus is. And if you can get those business travelers in, and then you can encourage them to stay a few days and then bring their families and tell their friends, then you really have the opportunity to develop a much um, stronger and much more um, integrated travel and tourism economy for the countries involved. Well, with that said, it, it brings me back to are we doing enough to make sure that everyone benefits from uh, uh, this growth? And let me come to you, Simba, because when we were talking about this, we were talking about is the ordinary person actually feeling this growth, feeling the opportunities on the ground? We started speaking about uh, street vendors when we were preparing this particular show and we were saying, why not create some uh, commercial, small-scale uh, hubs where we can actually there is an organized uh, a commercial space for even vendors. I don't know if we're actually doing enough from uh, an ordinary person on the street perspective where they can benefit, Simba. Yeah, um, I guess we can never say we've done enough. Sure. But I think what is important is that uh, um, the government must facilitate, must create the environment uh, for the small to medium-scale operators to be able to enter into this space. Uh, we have new entrants uh, like Uber, Taxify, Airbnb. These are creating, you know, uh, the space for the small operators. Uh, it's now a sharing economy, and tourism is uh, really showing that uh, it can be a, a, a very strategic uh, in terms mm. of lowering poverty, mm. in terms of reaching out and creating space for, uh, you know, the so-called uh, vulnerable groups like women, uh, like the youth. Um, so I think the other issue also is uh, the whole issue of safety and security for the tourists. Uh, it is also very important. We know that the uh, responsible organizations like uh, Visit Jobek, mm. SA Tourism, organizations like uh, ourselves here at Retosa, 
we are doing as much as we can and very importantly organizations like yourselves the media channel africa playing that critical role of uh, creating awareness among us, the general public on the uh, importance of tourism mm. economically and uh, culturally uh, i think it is very very important so that the public becomes aware that tourism is that strategic uh, sector mm. and uh, that the tourist needs to be protected uh, the tourist needs to be uh, given assistance wherever possible so when you have that awareness among the public it becomes uh, very important and mm. this is uh, where we see Jobek playing a very key role being the gateway into the region uh, I think going forward it is important that we begin to look uh, on the issue of connectivity the issue of accessibility beyond air transportation mm. but also to look at road transportation to look at rail transportation how connected is Jobek with the rest of the country but even for us at the regional level how connected is Jobek uh, with the rest of the of the Sadak region mm. uh, in that respect sure well, I'm going to take a quick break and then I'm going to come back because what I'm interested in is how does Africa consolidate its growth and fast track uh, uh, the opportunities in the travel and growth industry. But we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back. Uh, just uh, uh, to remind you who we have on the uh, program today, we've got uh, Laura Vikale, who's the communications uh, manager from Joburg Tourism, as well as Simba Mandinyenya, who is the head of research and information management at Ritosa. On the line joining us from London is uh, a research director at the World Travel and uh, Tourism Council, Rochelle Turner, on the line. Let's take a quick one and then we'll uh, get our final sentiments after this. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective... Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunye Nzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Definitely, we're giving you the African perspective. You're listening to African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Mushatama. We're with you until midday Central African time. Just a reminder, 11.45 Central African time, we'll have our business news and then we'll uh, uh, conclude with our sports. But uh, just to get uh, the, the final part of our program, Laura, in terms of making sure that we consolidate this growth and make sure that it's not just something that is just for now, but actually we can project into the future, utilizing the tools that that we have right now in the current growth as a way, as a stepping stone to move forward. What do you think we need to do to make sure that we keep the momentum going? Well, um, sorry, um, I think as stated by the CEO of, of MasterCard um, when they did the, the annual release on the Global Destination Cities Index, people are looking for seamless travel and personalized experiences. And um, Rochelle also referred to it we tech, technologically, we have to be up there. We have to have um, internet connect, um, connectivity. We need broadband. 
you know, um, it's the kind of thing that we need to be able to um, give people across the world access to our um, tourism products through um, booking uh, portals and devices like Airbnb, just for example. That's the kind of thing that is really going to um, open the floodgates because it makes travel so much easier for the people who are booking their own and customizing their own experiences. And it's also... Um, you know, for someone who wants to have a, for example, someone who is happy to host people in their home in anywhere from Alex to Soweto and any other so-called um, township or community for um for, for people to be able to access those opportunities and and for um, the people who own those and, and, and are, are keen to open their homes, it just creates so much easier mark and access to market. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the beauty of tourism. It's essentially, as a market sector, it has traditionally low barriers to entry. So mm. um, you don't have to have a PhD in something. Mm. To, to be able to participate in the tourism value mm-hmm. chain mm-hmm. at you know uh, um, and we need to be technologically savvy we, and we need to be able to connect to this global village and make it easier and and facilitate things so that okay. people can book and travel and personalize things and you know just have access to the information mm-hmm. access to mm-hmm. the experiences mm-hmm. um, because it's, it's far more than accommodation mm-hmm. and transport people mm-hmm. also want to be able to go and look at something that you know, that they might be interested in, mm. um, like look through the archives mm. of, of some famous person like a Nelson Mandela and those sort of more unusual things. And, and that is how you connect people. Mm. It's through global um, technology. Mm. Let me come to you, Rochelle, in terms of that uh, product creation development on the African continent when it comes to our travel and tourism industry. Um, we heard there from Laura highlighting very importantly how we need to advance when it comes to our technology. Uh, your thoughts on um, uh, product development and creation? Yeah, I, I completely agree with, with what Laura was saying. More and more people are interested in discovering new destinations and they're not satisfied necessarily with, with some of the traditional destinations around the world. Some of the more popular destinations have had a lot of bad coverage recently for being overcrowded. And there's a real opportunity to strengthen the, the awareness of what Africa has to offer and encourage some of those people who have been going to the same place year after year after year to try something new and to really um, get on the radar, if you like, of some of the people who are open to trying new experiences and really discovering the world. I think there's you know, opportunities, as I mentioned, around needing to have that connectivity and needing to have that connectivity, whether it's by land, sea, or air, or rail, and, and just making sure that it is efficient and it is available through the technological connections and, and the necessary broadband so that people can book it and people can um, easily find where they need to go at a cost-effective means. And, and then I, I cannot overemphasize the importance of, of travel facilitation at the country level and making sure that these countries are easily available to get into and that the um, the processes of getting visas is not unduly onerous and that it is a really simple way of absolutely in allowing people to enter your country that creates so much more wealth in, in economic development and of course thousands potentially more jobs that are available for people to um, help serve the travel and tourism community. Simba, your thoughts on, uh, as we conclude? Yes, uh, to add to what the colleagues are saying, I think it is very important that uh, 
uh, we build the capacity, especially of the small to medium uh, scale operators in the sector. Um, colleagues have mentioned the issue of technology, which is very critical in terms of uh, our people accessing the market. Uh, also capacitating these guys to, so that the product quality is very good, it's value for money, it's competitive. Uh, it is also very, very important that the local level authorities as well as central governments uh, in Africa are able to, to create an environment that allows uh, the small operators to be able to go into business and into this uh, new tourism space that is being created. Uh, We must be able also to facilitate the visitors uh, in terms of accessibility, in terms of uh, connectivity to the different areas. For me, what is very, very key as we look at growth is how do we open up the space for the small to medium scale operators for the new entrants into this sector. Well, that's a discussion for another day. I'm sure that's a separate conversation in itself. But thank you for your contribution. Thank you to Simba Mandinyanya, who is the Head of Research and Information Management at Ritosa. Thank you as well to Rochelle Turner, who is the Research Director at the World Travel and Tourism Council. Laura Vikale joins us in our studio. She's the Communications Manager from Joburg Tourism. Well, that's how we wrap it up. Let's have some music, and I think it's appropriate for this show. This one's titled Africa. Sunrise by Makos Nkos. Yeah.